0: This is the last episode of season one of Wise Up, and we have a pinnacle topic, and I couldn't be more excited, with an incredible guest, Brian Fleming, SVP of technology at T-Mobile, who's going to share his incredible insights and point of view about change. Enjoy.
1: C-Suite Radio.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Christina DiGiacomo, and welcome to Wise Up with Christina. I have a very special guest today. His name is Brian Fleming. He's the Senior Vice President of Product and Technology for T-Mobile, and he's worked with T-Mobile for 19 years. So he's If you think about T-Mobile and what it was like 19 years ago, I don't even think I had a cell phone back then, but Brian has been with T-Mobile for a long time and he's led all kinds of transformations. I mean, think about how T-Mobile has transformed in the past 19 years. Well, Brian has had a hand in all those transformations from- Fiber to cellular, which is now the backbone of what we know as 4G and 5G. And if you take a look at his, vi- his bio, it just says VP, VP, VP. It's almost like Brian came out into the world a VP. He's a real deal award winning operations leader, steering change management and guiding top performers and implementing solutions that drive high ROI. Welcome, Brian, to Wise Up.
1: Thanks, Christina. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is going to be really awesome.
0: Me too. I I really the first time that you and I talked, it was I you know we went from zero to nerd out in in 60 seconds. So I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to be touching on uh, touching on today, and. You know, one of the things that I know you have seen and experienced and, and were a part of is, is that T-Mobile went through a massive change with this, with this merger. And perhaps you could share that and your experience with that first um, with our listeners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe I'll start even a little farther back. Yeah. Um, If you really kind of take a look at T-Mobile, at least as long as I've been with the company, I mean, I joined back in uh, March of 1999, and um, which is now going on not 19 years, but 21 years, I believe if my math is right, kind of horrible at addition. But back when I joined, I remember actually celebrating uh, our millionth customer. And if you kind of think about it, uh, 21 years later, we, we now have i think it's like 140 million subscribers so we've seen a small regional wireless company grow up into uh one of the top wireless companies and, you know we just passed with postpaid subscription uh at&t so we're you know from a postpaid cellular phone connection perspective uh we're number two in the country and i would i would tell you back in 1999 uh uh, that was, you know, an aspiration, but we, no, no path to get there. And, uh, so I've seen a lot of change. I mean, from us being acquired from, uh, Deutsche Telekom to a failed acquisition attempt from AT&T to now, um, after multiple attempts, uh, we finally merged and closed with, with Sprint and, uh, and it's affording us a, a lot of scalability. As far as my role in it, uh, with product and technology, we're responsible for, um, you know, getting all the systems in place. So we were able to uh, actually close the deal and report as one company, which we achieved uh, back in April. And then we just uh, completed uh, here the first week in August, what we called uh, day one, uh, which is uh, we we now operate under one brand. uh, So you no longer will see Sprint stores. It's all T-Mobile. And now we're on what I would consider to be kind of the third phase of the journey which is uh, we have to go capture all the synergies from the merger. And a majority of that will happen when we move all of the uh, legacy Sprint customers onto the T-Mobile network, and then we have the ability to shut down that network and and, uh, and their technology stack and uh, try to achieve somewhere uh, near $60 billion in synergy.
0: This is what I love about you, Brian. You're so calm. You make it sound so easy. And... I know when worlds collide, like the complexity, intricacies, details, things that people can't even possibly imagine that are happening behind the scenes, just everything changes. Absolutely everything changes. And this is what I'm so excited to talk to you about because change is is really a, a foundational principle for you. And so, you know, tell us a little bit more about this driving principle that you have, uh, you know, around change and what it means for you and your work.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you really think about it, you uh, and, and I know a lot of you and I have talked about this and maybe in a, uh, you know a few minutes we can geek out on it but change is a constant in business today um, if you really kind of think about it you know just the go- globalization of markets you know access to technology you know the changes in the economy I mean you know if you really think about it just just reflect back of what we've had to you know go through as a as a country as a you know, a global community over the last five, six months with, with COVID. And maybe a little the story on T-Mobile, T-Mobile was a culture that was really based on being in person and being in the office. And when COVID hit, um, you know, a lot of things that we were thinking about were, uh, this isn't us, how are we going to be able to to pivot and actually support our customers and, and continue to deliver for the business? And if you think about it from this perspective, we went from in-person culture, not really embracing the technologies to support remote work. And really in a matter of four weeks, um, we pivoted to the entire workforce working from home, which also included all of our care centers. So we didn't have any technology. We didn't have the bandwidth to go do that. And we went to basically, I think 95% of our, customer care representatives working from home uh, in a matter of four weeks. And, uh, you know, so that's something that that we did and it required change. And it required us to understand our new paradigm and, and act a, and uh, as quickly as possible and uh, enable those capabilities for the business to be successful. And I just, COVID is just the first, right? I mean, there is a lot of things that COVID is bringing forward. You, you have disruption right now. That's going to be in the real estate market because a lot of companies are questioning why we even have a a corporate office class a office space because it's expensive. So, and, and you see that with restaurants and service companies, the ones that have embraced uh, the new reality are thriving. And there's a lot of companies that are, are failing and, um, I think that's, you know, with that, I mean, that's going to be the new norm, right? Change is constant, and, uh, and you have to embrace it.
0: So this whole notion of change is constant, you remind me so much of Heraclitus, who is this ancient Greek philosopher from 500 BC, and he was actually the one who had this doctrine around change is constant. Like, he was one of the first to introduce that idea that, mm-hmm. you know, our natural state is change. And he was the one who said that we both step and do not step in the same rivers, you know, which is goes to that saying, we don't step in the same river twice. Right. And... You know, you being so embedded and immersed and expert in, in the technology and product arena, you know, I know that you come across this principle of constant change a lot. I mean, it's almost like this is what you, you know, breathe, eat, and, and, and in your sleep think about change. How, how does this idea of change is constant? come up in your work or in your life or your perspective around around work
1: yeah i mean um change is you know for me personally has been really kind of embedded in me since i was a young uh, a a young kid you know there's a a story i told where i was getting pretty cocky right i thought you know i knew everything you know smartest guy in the room you know, talent, the most talented kid on the block. And, um, you know, my dad sat me down one day and he told me, he goes, uh, no matter uh, how, how good you, uh, the effort that you put into your work, um, no matter how good you think you are or how talented you are, he goes, I'm going to put just one thing in, in the back of your brain. There's always out there, uh, someone out there that's going to work harder than you and is smarter than you and more talented than you. So um, just keep that in mind when, uh, you know, uh, you think that you're done uh, for the day or you're done learning or trying to better yourself. Uh, That's when you, you know, the world passes you by, you become obsolete, uh, you no longer add value. Um, So I, I, I keep that in my mind, right? So I wouldn't say it's every day, but it's pretty much every day. You know, I come in with a mindset of, you know, what I did yesterday might not be relevant to doing uh that particular thing today so always kind of challenge you know status quo you know surround yourself with people that you know want to be the best at something is you know are willing to kind of put their egos at the door or leave them at the door and and challenge what we do um because you know again there's very few things right now in the world that someone else isn't thinking about or is in the process of solving so Always, you know, make sure that you're aware of what's going on.
0: There's this idea that you're bringing up right now that reminds me a lot about of like agile and adaptive, kind of an adaptive mode or an adaptive system or even an adaptive mindset, right? And as a leader, you know, that's something that you're constantly having to manage and you're constantly have to have to ensure that there is a flexibility, right? So, you know, what's coming to mind for me is when I see either companies or leaders or people or a system or a product that is somewhat in resistance or inflexible to what is the circumstances around it, um, that's when things become really untenable for either the people in that company or in that system or who have that mindset. things become very uncomfortable very quickly. And so I just wondered if you could share some thoughts around that idea of being you know flexible or adaptable and and is that, is it possible to be that way and still feel like, you know, it's natural or you can really kind of move with a situation without feeling like you're being controlled by the situation? Like where's the line there?
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. I can, I'm going to answer maybe a couple different ways. Some of it might be a little counterintuitive. So there, uh, when you think about it as far as being flexible, right? When I think about it from a technology perspective is when we're going to build something, we're, we're going to solve a problem, right? Whether it's um, internal or external to the company. And the key thing that we're, where I see people get hung up on is they, they think they, you know, if they think they only have one, uh, one time at bat, they try to make this thing bigger than a bread box. And, you know, by the time you're trying to achieve this perfect product or service or technology, uh, things have changed, the market has changed and you missed your opportunity. So the really, you know, the key thing that that we try to drive is, you know, what's that that minimum viable product that is gonna solve either, you know, 70, 80% of the problem, Or in a product's perspective, what are the key attributes that are going to actually create door swings and going to want people to go by? And let's get it built to that point and let's launch it. And then let's learn from there. And then once you see it kind of in the wild, then I think that's where you have to really focus on on flexibility and adapt, because there's going to be things that we didn't think about. Uh, We see that all the time with technology and you just have to make sure that if the the initial product is uh, delivering on its expectations and you, you just uh, uh, provide more investment to continue on its path, to continue to improve it. So that's, that's one thing.
0: Before you move on to the the second thing, because I think what you just said is so unbelievably rich that I don't want anyone to miss it. But the way I would sum it up from a philosophical perspective is you create, you create something put it out there and allow, for lack of a better term, allow nature to respond to it. Nature being people, a circumstance, a system, right? And that's actually the way the natural laws work. It's you, you put something out there, nature responds. You see what the response is, you respond in kind or in compliment and that's what you're talking about so to me the way you're approaching technology or building technology or putting technology out there in your process and your change follows the natural laws and i just think it's so amazing okay i'm going to shut up now so you can go on to your second point but i really did not want anyone to miss what you were saying
1: awesome now on the flip side uh, you had talked about agile and flexibility um now, some folks will take that to the extreme and abuse that flexibility by constantly changing things at the last minute. And in, in a technology space, you know, people want that, but it causes disruption. And in some cases, it causes the technologists to take shortcuts. Now, that might be good for a short period of time, but that also creates um, what we call technical debt, which then... You know, for us to continually uh, build on that technology or that platform uh, becomes more and more complex and it actually slows down. And that people, to a lot of folks, that's counterintuitive, but you know, that's why it's so important. You know, when we, when I just talked about that first point, right, which is you're never going to build a perfect product or service out front because you don't know everything. You don't know how the, you know, as you put it, nature is going to react to it. But get it to a point where it's something viable um, that someone can use uh, or buy and uh, put it out there, get that feedback, and then iterate on top of that.
0: So I do want to address this technical debt. Is that the term you used? Yeah. Technical debt. I've never heard that before, but I, I think that's fascinating. And I want to talk about that for a second because there's something that happens that you mentioned, which is working on a technology or working on a piece for the sake of working on it, which in actuality is losing the plot, right? It's that fix or that approach where it the problem solving, what you're solving for or who you're serving or the way nature is going to respond, is not, is is forgotten. And it becomes this really sort of very, very close focal point, and like let's just noodle on this thing, without really taking into account the bigger picture or the process that needs to unfold in order to make that viable, or in order to make that a successful change. And mm-hmm. so, I totally agree with you, um, in in that sense. I mean, I've seen that you know working working with teams where. It's just overextending the change to a place where it doesn't need to be overextended or overexplained or overworked. And then you just get into people just spinning their wheels and then maybe putting something out there that's no longer relevant or not even giving the time for the feedback loop to occur, for the natural response to occur, for you to even know whether it's it's something valuable or not. So thank you for that. Really deep. That's so deep, Brian. You know, I want to just touch on also the notion of outcomes. Because I think you, you're talking about that a little bit, too, in focusing on this big thing, that, you know, what is what trying to paint the whole picture and you haven't laid the paints out on the palette yet. Right. Right. And so focusing on the outcome and I want to just get your thoughts on that, uh, because, you know, there's there's a philosopher that talks about paying attention to the means uh, of a process as opposed to focusing on the outcome. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It was Vivekananda that said that Mm. to focus on on the means uh, is where the work, the work happens. Um, and I want your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. My, my thought on that is, and, and, you know, this is, uh, you know, technology people will will hate me for this. Um, I, am not a technologist at heart. Um, even though I've been in technology my entire career, um, I look at technology as a, to your point, a means to an end or to an outcome. Um, I'm not out searching for the latest, coolest, you know new widget uh unless i know that it's going to provide me a business outcome right is it going to make me go faster is it going to cost less for me to develop software is it going to provide uh the business um a more efficient way in which for them to do you know transact business whether it's internal or external so i always focus on the outcome now but that doesn't mean that you you ignore the process in some cases, people are so biased to action, uh, they want to get fingers on keyboards and start going. And I, I think there's value in in not sitting around debating things. But uh, in some cases though, you do need to slow down just a little bit, kind of think some things through, right? So sometimes we uh, we use a, a phrase around here uh, at T-Mobile within P&T, hey, why don't we go ahead and slow down to speed up, right? Get everybody aligned, Let's focus on what's the most important thing to do and apply the right resources, give the right direction and, and, and move forward. If not two, three thousand people running around in, you know, a bunch of different directions, and you're just not going to get, you know, the outcome that you need.
0: Wow. Brian, that's amazing. Why don't we slow down to speed up? Honestly, that is gold right there. And I think we're just going to wrap it right on that note. Brian, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about change and giving us some real insight into how you look at it, how you use it, how you approach it, and some of the lessons that we can take um, around your expertise uh, in, in this field. I really value your input in this wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for, for letting us wise up.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was, uh, it was great talking to you.